0: Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Megaphone podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the big R. Recession. Yep, it's been a little bit of a buzzword happening in the business community, at least in my neck of the woods. And so today we're going to unpack that word, but not so much the way you think. I'm not an economist. I can't tell you anything financially. I can't be Warren Buffett for you, but I can tell you how marketing can help you through a recession. Better yet, how we can start planning today to build up our marketing in such a way that it helps to recession-proof our business. So grab some pen and paper, you're going to want to take some notes. Hey there, friends, my name is Christy Browning, and I am the host here on the Marketing Megaphone podcast. I am so excited to teach you not only true marketing tactics, but also some innovative ideas for your small business or nonprofit. I'll tell you, my philosophy is that marketing is not just about increasing revenues, but it's about growing relationships, and while we embrace technology and all of its advances to connect us to our audience, I believe that there's value in timeless techniques that are still very powerful, as well as those innovative ideas that are cutting edge and super cool. So hang out with me here in this podcast, and we'll be happy to teach you all that we know, and maybe we'll learn from you along the way. Stay tuned, friends. There's good things to come. Well, I don't know about you, but for, I don't know, the last couple of weeks, uh, I feel like I've heard the recession word thrown around a lot. I know typically um, we feel the effects of a recession a little bit after it's kind of kicked in because technically you know economists will tell you that a recession is quantified by two quarters of a year where there's a reduction in the economy i listen i'm not an expert i do not want to be jeff bartlett um, warren buffett any of those economists that make it their business to know all the ins and outs of the economy and the financial world. That's just not the thing that excites me. But when I hear that word recession, I got to tell you the first couple of times it kind of came up into my space over the last couple of weeks, it did make me stop a second and catch my breath because that's kind of a scary word. And if you're a small business You know, you're just probably recovering from the effects of COVID um, and all that that did for our business world back in 2020. And now here we are, we're facing higher prices at the pump, higher prices at the grocery store, you know, a labor issue that is so unprecedented. Um, Just a lot of indicators that just have some of us kind of worried, like, where are we headed? What's going to be going on? How can I be prepared? Again, not an economist, and this is not meant to be a political um, take on anything, but as a business owner, it is important for me to pay attention to what's going on and to figure out how I best can prepare my business so that the impending recession or any kind of an economic downturn is something that I can sustain myself through. And my team and my family and my income and all of the domino effects that come when we look at our businesses being impacted by the economy. I attended a a mastermind session with some business owner friends of mine. It's about five of us that get together once a month. And we just kind of work together as business owners to, you know, hold ourselves accountable to tasks and goals and things we said we were going to do. And we also get together and learn. Um, Each of us come from a different industry and with a different set of skills and expertise. And so this past month, one of the ladies in our group who is incredibly smart, uh, she brought the idea or the topic of how to prepare and sustain your business through an economic downturn. And some of the questions she asked were really fantastic and it really made the wheels in my brain start turning uh, not because I want to you know be a a master economist, but I want to be a master at my business. I don't want to be a master business owner. I want to be the best I can be. And so learning from other people and, and trying to heed the um, advice and the expertise of other people, you know, it's kind of a smart thing, at least I think so. And so it got me thinking, you know, in addition to some things where we are going to do and have been doing in our business, um, we know there's some things we can do from a marketing standpoint. And here's what I know to be true. Whenever there is a hiccup in the economy, whether it's, you know, a downturn, a recession, um, a pandemic, one of the first things that people tend to reach out to is marketing. Because if the bottom line starts to look a little iffy, then we immediately think that we need more, more business, more customers, more dollars coming in. And the answer to the more is marketing. So if we did more marketing, we would get more business and more dollars. And I wish that's exactly how it worked, but it doesn't work like that. And unfortunately, we have a lot of businesses who will be caught off guard, run to marketing for their answers, and they may get some initial satisfaction in that where there's some growth and there's some uh, hope, you know, that their marketing efforts are going to be the thing that sustains them through um, this financial crisis they may be feeling But more times than not, it's a temporary solution. Because what we really need, yes, is marketing. But what we need is to have been prepared ahead of time with some good marketing mindsets in order to be ready for what we might be facing. Now, if by chance we are having this conversation and in the next 12 months we don't have a recession and life goes on being amazing with unicorns and rainbows and bunnies and all the things and you just can't even see straight you have so much business, listen, I will be so glad to be wrong. And I will be so glad to also say, but hey, you did this and you're just better for it. So now you can really take advantage of the boom in your business. But if I'm right, And we do start to feel a little bit of a pinch or a little bit of a downturn. I think some of these ideas are going to help sustain you. More importantly, prepare you today for what might be coming tomorrow. If you get in the show notes of this episode, I have linked a really great podcast episode that I personally was very inspired by. Um, It comes from a podcast that I listen to often called It's a Good Life. And the host of that podcast is a gentleman by the name of Brian Buffini. Uh, You may know that name. You may know The Brian Buffini Show, which was his previous podcast. Um, Lots of great information, personal and professional development that he creates in his Podcast world, but he has a podcast um, entitled Recession Proofing Your Business that is really good. I've linked it in the show notes. I encourage you to go listen to it. He brings a little bit different perspective to this topic. I'm going to stay in my marketing wheelhouse. Uh, Brian has way more years of experience and more expertise. He reaches out into some other buckets that you might want to learn about and learn from him on. So definitely go check that out and you can find that in the show notes. So the three points I'm gonna give you today are as follows. Number one, metrics dominate marketing decisions. If we wanna recession-proof our business and prepare possibly for an economic downturn, then metrics must dominate marketing decisions. The second thing is that processes determine day-to-day marketing decisions processes determine day-to-day marketing decisions. And then the third one is that planning drives marketing dollars. Planning drives marketing dollars. And so we're going to dive into these three things uh, and talk about some specifics in each one to help you in this whole area of marketing your business now in preparation for what may be coming. I want to share just a little bit of a personal perspective on this. I have had several businesses and I have weathered a couple of quote unquote recessions. Um, we all weathered the pandemic and the downturn that we may have felt. And that was a weird situation that no one could have predicted. I don't think. Um, but you know, whatever happened to you during the pandemic, maybe you were really, really successful. Maybe the the pandemic gave you an opportunity to serve the market in a whole new way. Um, for me, that was kind of the case. But for others, it was a real hard time. And so my hope is in talking about this, we don't just sweep it under the rug and hope it doesn't happen and put our head in the sand. I hope that we bring it to the light and we all get really good and really sharp so that when or if this happens, we're prepared. I remember telling um, some business owner friends of mine when we went through the pandemic that this is a really good learning lesson for us all and a really good training ground because as we went through the pandemic, it gave me the chance to stop and think, okay, how do I weather a storm like this if it comes again? How do I prepare today for what might come in the future? What kind of company do I want to be in the face of something like this? What kind of employer do I want to be in the face of some of this? And I got to be honest, we made some changes uh, in our perspective and what was important and even into uh, some of our operations as we sat in the middle of that pandemic and thought, okay, okay. You know, this is the learning that we can get here. Uh, There's nothing we can do to divert this or to make this go faster or avoid it. We are stuck in the middle of it with everybody else, but it doesn't have to be wasted. In fact, if you listen to the podcast I suggested, uh, Brian uses this phrase a lot. He says, uh, don't let a recession go to waste. There's good things to come out of a recession or an economic turn or shift we can learn a lot and we can get really good and efficient and effective in what, we, what we're what we doing. And so I love the optimism in that statement because there's a lot of doomsayers out there and doomsday people and people that want to create fear and anxiety. And while there's probably something to be nervous about and maybe even a little fear is, is natural there, I do think that the beauty of owning a business is that you get to make the choices. And you get to set your sights on what you want to set them on. If you want to set them on doom and gloom, if you want to set them on optimism, if you want to set that on hope and what you can control and the thing you can put your hand to, to get you where you want to go, then you've got those choices. I'm choosing the last of the three. I want to focus on what I can control what efforts I can apply. I want to be good at them. I want to be sharp about what I'm doing. I want to make smart decisions and I want to be a savvy business owner. I want to get better at that. I want to be better today than I was yesterday. And so I think the three things we're going to talk about today will help you a bunch when we're looking at what the economic downturn may be like for you and how we can build to sustain it. Well, before we dive into our first point, I do want to share this with you because I thought this was a really great question. You know, I told you that I had met with my mastermind group and we talked about this very subject. And one of the questions that the gal asked us was, considering how our services are today, are my services likely to get cut in a crisis or a budget shift? So thinking about your services today and how you serve the marketplace Is it likely that you would be the thing that would get cut from someone's budget if we were in a economic crisis of some sort? The second question she asked behind that was, what are three paths for your business in this worst case scenario? I mean, the worst case scenario is that you get cut from someone's, uh, from their budget, or you're no longer the service that they want to go with. And you have to get more business, or maybe you get, you know, a lot of business lost and you may have to close up shop. So what are the three paths that you can take? And I loved this because it really gave me the chance to stop and think, okay, what could I do if I think that my services are going to get cut, what is it that I could do to circumvent that? How could I get creative? What would be the need? Why would they cut my services? Um, is it because I'm, I'm irrelevant in, a, in an economic shift? Is it a budget thing and it's just a money item? Um, how can I, you know, pack in value? How can I think creatively about my business? And so you may want to give that question some thought. Are your services as they are today likely to get cut? In a crisis or some sort of an economic shift? Well, let's talk about the marketing part. And I think that this is a really great um, topic. It's timely, but it's really good for us to hold on to at any time, no matter what the economy looks like. This first point that metrics dominate marketing decisions. This is the old standard concept of what is the rate of return from this investment. If I'm spending money on these types of things, what am I really getting out of it? What is it? And a lot of people think they know what their rate of return is and different marketing efforts. Uh, They know that they may get some business from XYZ marketing effort, but they don't really have the right metrics. I just met with a business owner, great guy, small business, super passionate about what he does. And I asked him of all the marketing things that he was doing, and there was several, which one brought him the most business? And he kind of sat and thought for a second. And he said, well, I think maybe this option, but also get some business from this other option. And I know I'm also seeing some business come from this other option. And by the time he was done with a sentence, he had named all of the marketing efforts. (laughs) And I said, okay, fantastic. All of these efforts are bringing you business. So you think, okay, specifically, you know, which one out of all of them brings the most? And he didn't really have a definitive answer. He kind of was going with his gut feeling or what he thought uh, was bringing business in. And what's funny about that is that's most business owners, right? Most business owners are busy doing the thing of business. They're busy doing what they do. And so looking at marketing numbers is not what they do and is not usually how they choose to spend their time. And so those metrics or those those numbers become a little fuzzy. And we tend to only think about the last couple of transactions. So if I was to ask you, You know, what is the marketing effort that brings you the most business? You would gauge your answer. If you had no other data in your brain, you would gauge it off of the last couple of transactions. So if the last couple of transactions came from referrals, you would say, oh, our biggest, you know, business comes from word of mouth. Or if those, you know, four or five uh, last transactions came from Facebook ads, oh, we do a lot of business with social media. When in reality, if you factored everything into it, the percentage of that given a 90-day span, that may be totally skewed. Just because it's the last couple of transactions that you got doesn't mean that it truly is where you're getting the most of business. So we have to have the metrics. We have to have the numbers. So what do we decide when we have these numbers? And what numbers are we talking about? We're talking about, You know, where's business coming from? Where are people finding you? And what is the conversion rate between when they find you and when they do business with you? How long does it take? How many times do you have to contact them? How much conversation needs to happen between step one and step two from meeting you to making a a buying decision with you? How long does it take? It's usually in most businesses, not one-to-one. You don't usually meet somebody and at the same time they're making a buying choice. Usually there's some conversation that goes on. Either you're sending them a correspondence, they see ads, they get referrals, they're looking at your stuff online. You may not even know that. Um, But there's other things that are happening in that transaction before they actually come and hand over their money. So where are they finding you and how long is it taking and what needs to be taking place so that they can make that buying decision. Those are the numbers we want. And those numbers can look like a lot of different things depending on where you're pulling those numbers from. If you're going to your social media for analytics, um, you know, each of those platforms have those numbers for you in a lot of different charts and graphs and comparisons. Uh, so you've got a great resource to go get those numbers. If you're looking at those numbers on your website or through Google, uh, they have also the same, same great reports that you can, you know, see what traffic looks like and where people are coming from and what are they clicking on or looking at when it comes to your website. But there's other things like referrals, um, in-person type of meetings and, and, and networking. Maybe you do some print advertising uh, or some sort of digital uh, advertising that doesn't equally have the same analytics as something like social media or your website. So you have to get a little creative on how you capture that data, but you do want to capture that. And you do need to be looking at those metrics and those numbers often. So what happens when you look at them? If metrics are important, why should they dominate or how will they dominate our marketing decisions? Well, first of all, it should tell us what's not working. And if it's not working, we need to stop. We need to stop doing it. Even if you can afford... Whatever cost it is for that marketing effort, you should stop. If it's not bringing you the results you want, if it's not working, then stop. When we talk about our 10-step strategy for marketing, uh, one of the things that we always want to look at is the stop, start, continue question. What do I need to stop doing that's not working? What do I need to start doing that I think is going to work? And what do I need to keep doing because it's working okay for me right now? That start, stop, and continue evaluation is really powerful. And when it comes to your marketing decisions, when you have those metrics and you can see, man, we've been pouring all kinds of money into Google ads and we are not bringing in the business here, then you can make the easy choice to say, that's not where we're going to spend our money and that's not where we're going to put our efforts. So decide and see what is not working. Your metrics should also help you make some great decisions on how to invest in the right relationships. So if you're a service-based business, referrals should definitely be on the top of your list. Getting referrals and having great relationships with people who will uh, support what you do as a business, tell people about what you do as a business, and send people to you for business, that is gold. That's gold. But too often, I see that companies miss the opportunity to invest in those relationships and they run to ads and social media and digital marketing methods, which are good. There's nothing wrong with them. But they forget that there's this whole other world, this whole other marketing realm that revolves around relationships. And if you hang around with me, you know, our company believes that marketing is about relationships, not about revenue. It's about relationships. And so your metrics should help you decide how to invest in those relationships. If you're capturing some data here, you should be able to look at business that comes in your door. If it comes from a referral, who it's coming from and how much that transaction equates to. Here's what happens when we start talking about referrals. People, again, think about just the most recent couple of transactions and they think, oh man, I get all of my referrals from Sally. Sally is a big supporter of me. But if they really tracked it and they looked at a spreadsheet where they would track all of this, they might notice that just in the last 30 days, Sally started sending them business. But when we look at a six month span or 90 day span, you know, Bob sends way more business than Sally does as a whole. You may also want to check to see how many referrals you receive from Sally versus how many actually become paying clients. And when we're talking about paying clients, what average dollar amount are those paying clients? Sally may refer 10 people to you and five of them may become buying clients and five of them may spend a thousand dollars with you. So on average, each you know, client is $1,000, whereas Bob, he may send only five clients to you or five referrals to you, but of those five, four of them become paying clients. Well, Bob may send you less referrals, but they are more quality referrals and they are more valuable referrals because more of them convert to buyers than not. And let's say of that, the average dollar amount of Bob's referrals generates $1,500 in sales for you. Well, Bob all of a sudden is looking pretty good. Not that we don't appreciate Sally, but it's important for you to see in the data what relationships need investing the most. And Bob is one of those people you don't want to lose sight of. He's a good fan. He sends great business and that business makes money for you. So what do we do to continue to cultivate that relationship? Now that doesn't mean that we don't cultivate the relationship with Sally, it just may look a little different. Of all the things you can do and all the people you can invest in, the bobs of the world need you. They want to support you and that is where you want to give some of your best investment and your best time and your best effort. So those metrics have to drive and dominate those marketing decisions and help you see where you can invest in the right relationships. The third thing that metrics will do is it will help you dial into your marketing triangle. So if you've been hanging around here, you know that we operate by a marketing triangle. And if you imagine this triangle at the top, at the point of the triangle is one of the three things that we derive our marketing from it's either online, in print, or in person. And all three of those get a spot on the triangle. They get a point in the triangle. But the one that sits at the top is the one that produces the most. And again, if we're looking at our metrics, we know how to answer that question. We know how to look at it and say, okay, yep, this online thing, that's that's the ticket for us. So that's the case. It sits at the top of the triangle and all of your best efforts and all of your best money and all of your best time goes into the online piece of your marketing. The in print and the in person piece sits at the bottom of the triangle, two bottom points and supports the online, the tip of the triangle. So I can do a lot of online marketing, but if I don't have any kind of a great, um, in-person experience, those customers or clients are going to come to me and want to work with me, but get really bad service and it's not going to be so great. Or maybe uh, I have a really great online business and that's where people are coming to me and the bulk of my business comes to me by online ads and content creation and all of that. But yet when they Get around me. I don't have anything printed to give them. I don't have a brochure to leave them. I don't have, you know, materials to onboard them. And so the in print part of my marketing is suffering, which impacts then that online experience. All three of those pieces work together. You just have to determine which one is at the top of the triangle, which one gets your best effort, and what two are supporting. You've got to know that. And the metrics help you show that the reason that becomes valuable and especially when we're looking at preparing for maybe an economic shift is because you're going to have limited dollars and resources and you're going to need to get the best results from them. And so if you can determine that this part of the three-part triangle is the thing, that's where you're going to take your money. And if the marketing budget for you starts to shrink a little bit um, because maybe you're not bringing in as much cash, fine. Take what you have and apply it according to that triangle and you got to dial in to that marketing triangle. So your metrics will dominate your marketing decisions and trying to show you what's not working so you can cut it and save some money. You can show you what relationships you need to most invest in so you can really leverage those relationships to help your business grow. And then third, it's going to help you dial into the marketing triangle so you know exactly what piece of that triangle is the most important and where you need to be putting your best efforts. Well, if metrics dominate your marketing decisions, the second thing we have to remember is that processes determine our marketing day to day. This means that we have processes in place for our marketing so that day in and day out, we have an executable marketing plan and we know what's involved in that. Marketing isn't just about grand schemes and grand illusions and grand gestures to bring business in the door. We're talking about the small things, the day-to-day things that make a difference when it comes to your brand, to the experience your customers and clients have with you, and the overall impression that your business has on the marketplace. That comes with really good processes. The other thing that I know about processes is that not only does it make sure we do things consistently, it also ensures that we do things effectively and efficiently. And if we're talking about, you know, battening down the hatches for an economic shift, that means we as a business have to get lean, we have to be efficient, and we need to be effective. And processes help us do that is a critical component of your marketing is to know what these processes look like for your day-to-day efforts. So, processes that determine your marketing day to day, those processes need to be built around your intentional touches, meaning what are we doing to get in front of, to connect to to um invest in those relationships, those current customers and clients, those referral partners, those collaborators, those industry parallels, who are those people we need to intentionally intentionally connect with. And we need a process for that. It's not just about identifying it. Like we talked about in the metrics, it's about now doing it. So these kinds of investments in relationships and in, you know, connecting with people, it has to have an intentionality to it. Otherwise time slips by and you don't realize, man, it's been six months since we talked to the one person that in that refers us and brings us the most business. That's awful. and That's embarrassing when you see that as a business and you think, holy smokes, we look like the most ungrateful people ever because we haven't done anything to say thank you or to touch base on or to reach out to this particular person. We use the Sally and Bob example in the last point. And so think about Bob. If we have all this great business coming from him, but we don't do anything to stay connected to him, Bob may eventually be like, Ugh, I don't think I want to do business with him anymore he may go somewhere else and take all of his friends with him. This is very much a true story. In fact, this became a true story in our household. Uh, we have a, a service provider that does some things for us personally, and I've referred this person several times, and I know several of those people have become his clients, and never once has he ever, you know, touched base with us, reached out to us, said thank you, um, ever, ever made a contact or connection with us. And so when it came time to possibly look at uh, somebody else that could provide the same service, uh, we made a move because there wasn't a relationship there. And it was because there was no intentional process to make sure that, hey, Christy and her family, like they, they promote me, they support me. I want to say thank you. I want to invest in them. I want to connect with them and stay connected with them. And again, that's a great theory. And we all know we should be doing it, but it's hard to do it when there's not an actual process in place. So the process needs to look like this. Who are the people we're staying connected to or need to stay connected to? Where are we putting them on the calendar so that we make that effort? And what am I doing in that calendar? As far as am I taking them someplace? Am I bringing them something? Am I sending them a note? Uh, you know, what does this look like? What are the things I would What are the things I would want to do that would best help me connect to these people? And how do I put it on the calendar so that I intentionally have some time carved out to get the job done? A clear process makes all the difference for that. The other process you need for your marketing day today is consistent service. And this is a marketing thing. The experience that your customers and clients have when they come in your space, when they walk in your store, come in your office, call you on the phone, get something from you in the mail, visit your website, get an email. All of these things, all of these interactions and encounters are their perception of you as a business. And the service has to be there. Your process is what creates and support the kind of service you want people to have when they reach you or they step into your space. Now more than ever, service is suffering. We have such an overabundance in business right now, and so many companies are just trying to keep their head above water and get the job done, if they are even able to get the job done. And right now, service has gone out the window because it's not about service; it's about survival of just you know getting through the next job order or the next client or the next meeting. Uh, and service has kind of suffered because of it. That's going to change if we do have an economic shift, and there is some sort of a downturn or recession. You know, customers are gonna get picky. Clients are gonna be choosy. And if your service is poor, then that gives them all the reason to move somewhere else and go somewhere else where the service is better. So your processes should represent that service you want. That is day to day, as we meet people, as we serve people, as we work with people. This is how it happens. Do they get this packet? Do they get this email? Do we follow up with this phone call? Do we provide, you know, this kind of check-in? What is it? What does that process need to look like? You do yourself a world of good if you would spend some time brainstorming that. Ideally, what is the process we want? And consider it part of your marketing because it's telling a story as you work with those customers and clients. It's offering them an experience that can be positive or it can be negative, The process is what will help you stay consistent, which brings me to the third thing. And that is that your processes, that marketing day-to-day process that deals in investing in referrals has to be locked in. And what I mean by that is if you are a service-based business and you are wanting referrals, maybe that starts with the existing clients that you have and the existing customers that you have. What are you doing to turn them back around and want to use you again? What are you doing to bring them back in your space? How are you staying connected with them? I was just talking to a business owner who works in um, an insurance se- sector. And he said, you know, there's so many times that customers or clients switch their service. And all of a sudden, I'm not the agent that's working with them. And uh, he's like, I've got to figure out a way to continue to keep them you know, here in my space. And we had this whole conversation about, you know, what does that need to look like? And how do we create this investment mindset that every time we send a birthday card or a personal note, or we pick up the phone and call, or we offer them an update from our industry, it's not about sales, but it is about investing in that referral relationship because the referral has to start with them own selves. So if they don't even send themselves back to you, they're sure as heck not bringing anybody with them. So how do we invest in that? We need a process. We need to know, you know, from a day-to-day standpoint, what are we doing to stay in touch with these people? What are we doing to show them we're still here and we still care and we still want to serve them? These processes are just day-to-day operations, Day-to-day things that need to happen consistently between each day of business and each customer or client that comes into your business. Having that intentional process of what do we do to, you know, stay in touch to what do we do to provide consistent service to what are we doing to keep our existing clients and customers in our space and completely in love with what we do and know that we're here to help them through whatever it is that we do for them. We're never going away. We never say goodbye. We're trying to avoid being transactional and being relational. And that starts with good processes. Remember, I said that when it comes to recessions, um, efficiency and effectiveness becomes critical. And honestly, it stinks that it takes a recession for us to realize that. And there will be some businesses that they'll use a recession to really hone themselves and get good at that effectiveness and that um, efficiency. And there will be other businesses that just can't get it done. And they may suffer because of that but why do we have to wait until we're in a recession for that why can't we start today i'm challenging you and myself as a business owner to see what needs to happen what changes need to be put in place and in this situation what processes will help you become more effective and more efficient especially when we're talking about our marketing and the promotion of what we do and how we help people well the third point we have is planning planning that will drive our marketing dollars. You guys have heard me stand on the soapbox before and preach the sermon that a marketing plan is critical. It is the fundamental piece of all of your marketing. Remember that a plan is different than marketing tools. A marketing plan tells you what we're doing and when we're doing it. The marketing tools are what we use to execute the plan. So don't be confused by thinking that a marketing plan is posting on social media or creating Facebook ads or launching a website or putting in newsprint ads. Those are all just tools. Those are tools that help you deliver the plan. I like to tell people that it's like building a house. I can have all the tools I need to build a house, but if I don't have a blueprint or a plan in which that house is going to be built, I may not know what I'm doing. I may not know what tools to use when or what needs to come before the other. And if I've got a lot of other hands in the pot, we are all going to mess up and step over each other and have to tear down and redo and fix because we don't have a plan. Everyone just kind of starts and there's no method. It just is all madness. So marketing plans are critical. Planning drives your marketing dollars. If you don't have it in the plan, you shouldn't spend money on it. The plan is what should drive the dollars, not the dollars driving the plan. And unfortunately, when I have this conversation with companies, it is that the the dollars drive the plan rather than the plan driving the dollars. Because I will say to them, hey, we need a plan. Uh, They say, yes, I have, you know, last year I earmarked uh, $50,000 for marketing or $100,000 for marketing or one client had $300,000 for marketing, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what the number is. So that's what we can use. Okay, but we need a plan. Like the the dollar doesn't drive the plan. We don't say, "Oh, we have $300,000. Let's now figure out what the marketing plan is." No, we ideally create the plan and then we say the the cost to execute this plan will look like this for the next 12 months this plan to put it into its effectiveness will be a $50,000 budget item for your company this year if that doesn't work then we need to look at what we can change or cut or you know make changes elsewhere to make that possible but if you say hey i have $300,000 and we're just going to spend it guess what you're going to do you're going to spend it it may not be effective it may not be what you need to spend it on but by golly you've got that money you're spending it on marketing so the plan helps you get in line and organized so that you can be effective in what you're doing. It's like having a budget. When you put a budget together for your household, for your personal finances, it is a plan to how you spend your money. You don't start by saying, okay, we are going to need $5,000 this month to spend on all of the things we need. No, you say, okay, our house costs this much. Utilities are this much groceries, this much. Okay. This is how we're going to have to spend our money. So you need the same kind of a plan for your marketing. You need a plan that tells you what you're going to do, what order you're going to do it in, when you're going to do it, and then know how much that's going to cost you. So if planning drives marketing dollars, the first step is that you need a plan. You need a plan. And if you aren't entirely sure how to build that plan and you think, ugh, I have, I don't even know where to begin. And I'm not really sure I know how to create a plan and not a bunch of tools. Well, I have a great resource you need to check out. It's called our 10-step strategy session. It's a free online workshop that you can go get right now if you go to contentbyrequest.com slash Strategy. You can request instant access and you can watch it. It's about an hour long. Um, you'll want to stop and come back to it and do all the homework and and uh, questions that are in there and spend some time on that. But if you do that and you do the ten questions and the ten steps, you're going to have a better marketing plan than before. That again is contentbyrequest.com/strategy. You can also find that link in the show notes but you need a plan. And basically the plan is this, it's your strategy, it's your game book for what is it we're going to be doing in the next 12 months to market our company. And then we start listing out what tools are needed for that plan. You may find that if you look at that metric piece that we talked about in the first point, and the metrics reveal that billboard ads do not bring you any business, then you're not going to put them in your plan. What's the point? What's the point of investing the money there and taking the time to make that happen? Don't put it in the plan if the metrics don't support it. Second thing you're going to do is you're going to create some evaluations. So remember, this is about planning. And when we evaluate the plan, it helps us know where to continue to spend our dollars or what to change or what to add. And so each quarter, you're going to pull out that marketing plan and you're going to evaluate it. And you're going to look at it and say, is this working? Is what we did last quarter taking us where we want to go? Or do we need to make some changes? And this quarter needs to look a little different. When we did come into 2020 and we started feeling the impact of the pandemic, no one could have put that in their 12-month marketing plan. We just couldn't. We couldn't have foreseen that. And so guess what? We had to all shift and pivot and, and do different things and get creative and think of new things. And if you were in a process of evaluating this plan each quarter, it made it a lot easier because you didn't have to have all the answers on day one. You could go forward with what you know right now and know that you can always come back at the end of the quarter and readjust and evaluate it and make different plans or adjust those plans or say, hey, this is all working great. Let's not change a darn thing. But the evaluation is part of the planning process. And when you make that evaluation, you're looking to see what are those dollars and do they still work for us? A lot of what happens in the planning goes back to the first two points. We need the metrics in order to help us do the evaluation. We need plans to help us carry out the process. And the processes become clear tasks and a clear focus on what needs to get done in this quarter. And That's the third point. The planning that helps you drive your marketing dollars delivers clear tasks and a clear focus. And Again, we're not talking about 10 years. We're talking about a quarter for the next three or four months. What needs to get done? What needs to happen? Where do we need to put our efforts? What processes do we need to spend time on? What do we need to execute? Where are we showing up? Who are we trying to meet? What results are we trying to get? And looking at those questions and those answers and say, okay, in order to make this happen, we need a new brochure, update the website, and, you know, launch an event. Fantastic. Those are three things you're going to work on this quarter. Now you have some clear tasks and you have a clear focus because those three things hopefully are going to take you to that goal you just articulated. Planning will then help you decide, guess what? When it comes to marketing dollars, we're not going to say That we need a brochure, update the website, and launch an event, and then take our marketing dollars and invest most of them in billboards. That doesn't fit with the three things we just said we needed to do, right? Because the task and the focus is where we should apply our dollars, But you and I both know that there are many businesses that that's exactly what they do. They get an idea and they get a plan and they say, okay, fine, we're going to do a brochure, update our website and launch an event. Fantastic. And then a salesperson walks in their door with a new shiny new option for marketing and they can't wait to sign that agreement fast enough. And before they know it, they've committed a percentage of their marketing dollars to this new shiny option that just walked in their door and not to the plan that they just put in place. So, planning drives your marketing dollars and it will give you a clear task and a clear focus. And instead of feeling like you have to chase all the things and do all the things and be involved in all the things, this should help weed out some of the stuff, which in the end does make you effective, does make you efficient, and helps you stay budget conscious. Your metrics are gonna drive your decisions and dominate your decisions. Your processes are gonna determine your day to day. And your planning is going to drive your dollars. Those are three things that become super pivotal when we're talking about getting lean, getting focused, getting dialed in and effective, especially if we're facing an economic downturn. We will know what our best results come from, where our best return comes from. We will know each day what we're doing to help cultivate that and grow that. We will know what our plan is, what we're doing, when we're doing it, and how we're going to get it done. Man. What would that feel like if you woke up tomorrow and could say those things about your business? Regardless of an economic situation, shift, downturn, recession, whatever label you want to put on it. If you could say those three things about your business, you would kick some major business butt. Wouldn't you feel great? Wouldn't you feel confident? Wouldn't you carry yourself a little bit differently when you walked into your conference room wouldn't you be a little more, um, you know, on top of it and motivated and full of excitement knowing that, man, this this was good. Where we're at is good. All right, we got our head on straightener, act together. As my best friend likes to say, our ducks in a row, they're in their coats and they're buttoned up. That's amazing. And there's so many businesses that cannot say that. You could say that simply by following through some of the things we talked about in this podcast. You could really say that if you got in on that 10-step strategy session we were just talking about. So make sure you look that up in the show notes. Guys, I want to say for all of us that if we do hit this economic downturn, that we come out all the better for it, that we don't waste the opportunity to get really, really good at what we do and not just in what we do and deliver, but how we are as business owners as people that run companies and employ people and provide dollars for our families and put money and jobs into the economy. Guys, we could be the rising star in this, but it won't happen just by accident. It will require some work. It will require some hard conversations. It will require some shift and some changes. And you may have to be uh, involved in some things that you don't like, like numbers, and dollars, and planning, and strategy. If you're a creative person like me, those are usually not words that bring me a lot of joy. (laughs) But I've learned as a business owner that that is what it takes in order for me to be good at what I do, and to be a good business owner. And you'll find the same. Don't shy away from these metrics. Don't put away these processes. Don't work without a plan. These three things make a difference. And you could benefit from the impending economic shift and come out looking like a star. And if for some reason we don't encounter any of that and all things go swimmingly, you will be all the better for it. Well, this was kind of a hard topic to bring to you knowing that we needed to discuss what can be sort of a gray cloud, Debbie Downer topic like recessions and economic downturns didn't really have me rushing to the podcast microphone, but I wanted to give you some practical solutions in the marketing circle that would really help you feel confident and sustainable as you would move into something like that. So hopefully you found some hope in this and some great inspiration and vision for what you can carry out for your business moving ahead. I promise you here at our business, we'll be doing the same thing. Content by request, we'll be looking at our metrics and processes, as well as making sure we lay all the right plans in place to be successful moving forward. If you have any other questions or want to know something more specific, feel free to reach out to us. I'd love to hear from you. You can actually comment on this if you'd like right inside of our website, if you're catching this on our website, um, or reach out to us through our website, through our contact form. Don't forget to head over to contentmyrequest.com/strategy to get access to our free online workshop, all of them help to you uh, build your strategy for your marketing and know where your business really is headed. Until next time, friends, keep making noise and let's live the good life.